0: Welcome to this 820 AM The Word broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. This is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Local Ministry Development for 820 AM, The Word. Trust in the Lord and do good. Twell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. That's my life's verse. It's a verse I love to share and talk about the faithfulness of God because He is faithful to us in in all things and in all ways. My special guest today is Pastor James Hansen. He's the pastor of Montage Bible Church. James, welcome to Heart of the City. Thank you so much for uh, for having me. I appreciate being on with you. Well, you have uh, just uh, uh, launched into a new building, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes with Montage Bible Church up in uh, the Baffle area. But uh, you... Um you've been around this area for quite a while. You were formerly with uh, Antioch Bible Church with Pastor
1: Hutch. That's correct. I was with him for, served with him for about 20 years as uh, on the pastoral staff. So I owe so much of uh, my worldview, and he's shaped my thinking. So yeah, it's been a, a, a great ride, and we miss him after these six years with him not being with us. But uh even though he's dead, he still speaks. <laughs> I understand. Well, I I get an opportunity to work with Carl Payne
0: a lot with the Worldview Apologetics Conference every spring, which is sponsored
1: by Antioch Bible Church still and uh Pastor Carl was my college pastor down uh, in San Diego. I, I was at the church where David Jeremiah is at, and nobody knows who that guy is. I mean, yeah. he's not a real familiar name. But yeah. Carl was the college pastor down at Shadow Mountain, and he was the gentleman who actually brought me up here when he moved up here to work for Pastor Hutch. So, uh, and I still have my uh, my my once a week lunch date with Carl. We we go hit Five Guys. That's our other office. So, uh Oh, yeah, yeah. He's a good man.
0: He is a very good man. Well. You've had a a long history then uh, working as in various uh, capacities within churches. Tell me about uh, growing up. Uh, were you were you a part of a, a Christian family? Uh, tell me a little bit about your background.
1: You know, I was I was put into uh, Christian school for I think educational purposes, and I came to faith in Christ uh, when I was in the fourth grade. That was a pivotal year for me, and I I was a pretty I, I would say. Uh, Decent kid, I was at church most of the time, uh, drifted a little bit in my high school years, but there was a traveling evangelist who had come by I think during my junior between my junior and senior year, and that's when I rededicated myself and I figured I looked at my SAT scores and I thought, okay, I guess it's ministry because uh, <laughs> I don't really see much else in the future for me <laughs> yeah so it was at that point that I felt called into vocational ministry and and so that's when I just kind of took the plunge. So that was junior year of high school, about senior, yeah, junior, junior senior, senior year. Yeah, that's right.
0: Wow! And so you, you, you thought even back then, was there were there people that you were associated with that you you thought, you know, I want to be what this person is doing. Was it more that type of a thing, or was it just this sense that God's calling you into ministry? I felt a
1: sense of of God's call at that at that time, but you know, when you are at a place like a Shadow Mountain and and you see not just Pastor Jeremiah, but you have these summer Bible conferences where these guys come in from all over the world, the Ravi Zacharias's, the W. A. Chriswells, you you know, you, you have you have an opportunity to be touched by these guys and really to to kind of think through is is this something that I would like to do for a career you know is this something I might, do I feel vocationally called to this and so I was immersed at that church in in truth and in doctrine and I I actually went to the college that was associated with it so it was a very easy transition for me once I made the decision it was kind of just already it was it was just right out my front door
0: Interesting. You know, it, it is fascinating as I hear the stories of various fa- pastors who come sometimes kicking and screaming into the, the ministry and say, that's something that I'd never want to do, and others of us who have grown up in the church, and uh, that just seems to be the draw where the Lord's taking you, and you've, you've had, had a heritage of, of being exposed uh, to, to ministries and to ministers.
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, I'm so thankful for, you know, being able to cut my teeth in ministry underneath Pastor Carl down there at Shadow Mountain and and also for the opportunity to come up here and work with Pastor Hutch and the gentleman over at at Antioch. It was... uh, it was a great training ground for me as i worked through a master's degree and beyond um to kind of prepare me for where i'm at today so you know i'm i'm super grateful for what god has done and built into me
0: but tell me about that transition when carl called you uh had you been to seattle before or was it just uh you you, you uh you were just following his his uh,
1: suggestion, or what, how did that work? Well, I mean, it's got to be the call of God to bring somebody from the the beaches of San Diego <laughs> up to uh, Seattle. It was it was during the grunge era, and I mean, this was you know, you think mid nineties, early nineties, and and uh, it was definitely a different culture. And it was just going to be for a summer internship to to fulfill an obligation that I had for for uh, my bachelor's degree, and then I came back the next year, and then they said, well, how about we pay for your master's degree at Western Seminary while you work through a more formal internship. So, you know, I was on staff for about four years with them as an intern before I transitioned into vocational staff. So, uh, you know, it was hard to leave the, the nice weather the <laughs> to, to come here, but I've, grown, I've kind of grown accustomed to it up here.
0: Well, you, you know, you could have been a Padres fan for a long time. Now you get to be a Mariners fan, right?
1: Right. I mean, when you've got Raleigh Fingers with the mustache and Tony Gwynn and all those guys, it's. but then you come up here and you go, okay, there's Edgar. There's some great guys up here, too. Exactly. Uh, John Olerud. There's <laughs> another great guy, of
0: course. <laughs> Absolutely. So tell me about becoming integrated into Antioch and, and that congregation and the ministry of uh, Pastor Ken Hutcherson I I've got to believe that that uh, you saw some pretty amazing um ministry going on there for so many years. The unique thing about uh, that congregation was is is they set up every week in a in a in a high school gymnasium
1: for years and years and years. Right. I mean it's kind of the uh, Old Testament levite thing all over again and um you know, but it does, I mean, you can't romanticize it. It can wear on you after, you know, several years of that. And it takes a lot of work. So that's a very dedicated, it's a dedicated congregation who can put up with that and really say, no, we're we're called to this no matter what. Because really, you know, we're, the church is not a building, right? Right. You know, so when you, wherever you set it up and say, this is where we're going to honor God, whether it's got kangaroos or sharks or wherever Antioch has had in the past with their mascots where they've rented uh, that's a that's that sacred ground, right? And so, Hutch's philosophy was always to to have people first, and then facilities would be down the list. So, and that was his heart for people, right? Yeah. To, to reach people before he would reach a facility.
0: Yeah, yeah. And he took on some pretty <clears throat> some pretty tough cultural issues uh, back in in the days. So he and Joe Featon uh, would. Uh, uh, there were some pretty interesting things that they would get into as as regarding <laughs> uh p- political and cultural issues for sure
1: yeah, you know hutch uh, was never shy from a fight and and uh he had too much football in him for that, and you know he he really i think people sometimes would uh, would look at him and they would be in a sense intimidated because he was this big brawny guy who um you know, they thought that maybe he was a little bit mean-spirited and he was seemed kind of you know, get off my lawn, evangelical, kind of angry guy. But the reality was is he, he, he took a stand for righteousness, right? And he would look at the culture and he would look out the window and go, what in the world is going on? Why is Christ not represented better in this area? And so it didn't really matter what cultural issue it was, whether that was adoption, whether that was uh, homosexual marriage, whatever it might have been. Um, when he saw the culture not lining up with Scripture, then it became the church's job at least to make the case for Christ.
0: Yeah. Well, we do uh, quite a bit of work with Zeke Bambolo with uh, Antioch Adoptions, and so those ministries are still moving right along.
1: Absolutely. Just saw Zeke uh, at a breakfast venue about a week ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good
0: guy. Uh, Typically, pastors, we see each other— when we're eating, you know, <laughs> there's a breakfast, there's a lunch, there's this, there's that, and so especially when it's free. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, we're <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, so tell me about your own walk and experience after uh, you moved up here. Um, I know
1: you're married, so you met a girl. I, I met a uh, I met a young lady. I was teaching a uh, theology class over at Antioch, and um, unfortunately for her, her and her boyfriend came in, and I thought. Well, he's got to go, and I mean, this is it's time for him to move on. But I mean, I'm not, I wasn't going to date a student uh, just for ethical reasons. And and um, her and her boyfriend did ultimately uh, call things off, and uh, she called me for prayer, and that's when my wheels started turning. You know, you <laughs> yeah. just go, yeah, I would love to be able to pray for you right now. <laughs> yeah, but she, um, she was, uh, she had made a commitment to the Lord to not date anybody for a season, and it was actually lined up perfectly with. Uh, the class ending, because I thought I could kick her out of the class, and then she's no longer a student, but that doesn't seem appropriate. Right, so, right. But, you know, Linda's a, a wonderful lady, uh, and uh, so we we met at church, and Pastor Hutch officiated at the wedding, and, you know, she's um, she's half Vietnamese, uh, Vietnamese and Dutch, and her mom, full Vietnamese, just over at the house last night, cooking up a storm, and, you know, teaches me to eat stuff that I never dreamed I would. Uh-huh. Um, but it's great, you know, so that that my kids are growing up in a in a in a cross-cultural relationship. And so they're able to see firsthand what what that looks like and how that shapes our life in our and the people we have over to our house as well as the church. So, yeah, we got married and um, we waited a couple of years and then had some kids. And, and, you know, we've got a very full life right now.
0: Yeah. Well, you do. After a few years, um then uh, after after Antioch, what what happened as far as you beginning to pioneer
1: a Montage Bible?
0: Sure. So
1: I had I had uh, I thought maybe fifteen years ago. I never really wanted to be a lead pastor. That was never on the docket. That was the the, the running phase, I guess, where you'd say I'm not really called into this. I'm not interested in this. Um, I'm happy to play second fiddle. Uh, and then, you know, as the, as the years unfolded, um, there were certain stirrings. And I think sometimes when you hear truth from people who maybe you're not accustomed to hearing truth from, I heard a, from a gentleman who used to work with Alistair Begg, and he said, you know, I've heard you preach, why don't you consider doing, you know, uh, your own church? And I just thought, well, that's crazy. You know, I'm not, I'm not interested in that. But that, that that comment had stayed with me. And mm. so there was a season when I when I spoke with, with Pastor Hutch about doing a, a church plant. And you know, at the at the time we had made some plans, but then of course he got ill and you know he uh when he had cancer, you know, he held on to that cancer for a long time. He was such a fighter and he, he had it longer than he you know that anybody probably ever thought that he would have. So you know, I kind of knew after a discussion with him about six weeks before he passed away, uh, I, I had an idea of what he had wanted for me um, in the in the long in the long run and because he he told me very clearly what he wanted, and then he passed away so what do you do <laughs> when you 're holding on to a a conversation? How do you deal with that? Well, you just give yourself to a lot of prayer, so I applied for the job over at Antioch, and I, I did not get the senior pastor job. Uh, and I told the gentleman on the committee that if I don't get it, I'm going to go plant a church, because I had already had discussions with Pastor Hutch about it. And when I didn't get it, it was a, a bit of a surprise, but you know, I, I walked into the dining room with my wife, and she said, look, you know what this means. She says, we're going to go plant this church. I said, yeah, I know that's what it means. She said, I don't care if we I don't care if we lose our house, I said, let's not get crazy, okay? yeah, let's just yeah. you simmer down, yeah right, but you know you've got three kids, you got sure. a wife you have to provide for, and you're you're really wondering okay this is this is not just a temporary job, this is a a call on my life. I feel like I'm called into vocational ministry as a lead pastor, so that's when things kind of kicked into high gear so when you know i I try to encourage pastors that if 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 they are Married, their wife really has to be the biggest support for them and the biggest cheerleader because, you know, Linda shares me with a lot of different people and my schedule is not normal. So the fact that she would free me up that way and say, Hey, look, we can lose the house. We can do whatever it is because this is what God has called us to, you know, that just frees a guy up to do what God's called them to do. There's a lot of guys in ministry who don't have that. And I don't know how they, I don't even know how they get by. Yeah right? So super thankful for a wife who is that committed to the relationship and God's call. So what ultimately happened was, as I tendered my resignation. I said my goodbyes. And then five weeks later, we opened up the doors to a church. Uh, this is not a good idea for most people. This is insane. I'm never going to write a book on church planning because you, you know, you need at least a year behind you and you meet with people. And that's not what happened at all. I had a A gentleman that um, I had talked to about looking for a location for me, and his name is Corey Bell, and ultimately he ended up being the guy who I planted the church with. So he became a board member. So Linda and I ventured out, and on March fifth, two 2016, we opened up the doors and we just thought, we're going to just see what God wants for us. you know, we're not going to do any demographic studies or we're not going to do any sociological overview because we want to just reach as many people, and we don't care who they are. We just want to reach as many people with the gospel as possible, right? So that's the heartbeat of the church is that we want to help people from all cultures learn about God, live for God, and love like God. That's, it's very, very simple. So we don't have a targeted demographic. I think that there's a lot of young guys in ministries who— have kind of taken that fuller model from the 70s and they, they're very specific or they want to reach a certain age group or a certain ethnic group or what have you. Usually the guys who want to do that, I don't know why they want to always reach the, the upper middle class. That's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah, There's not a lot of people, I can't wait to reach the poor people. But ultimately uh, we opened up the doors to anybody who wanted to show up, and I think that's reflected in our congregation. We have a pretty wide swath of people, which is a blessing.
0: Yeah. Well, as I was online uh, yesterday looking at – uh your website as uh, a lot of folks do and uh the website is montage.church www.Montage.Church. dot montage dot church montage is m-o-n-t-a-g-e and we're gonna ask about how you got that name uh <laughs> but uh, we're we're speaking to Pastor James Hansen and I'm Chuck Olmstead, listening to Heart of the City Actually, how did you come up with the name Montage Bible Church?
1: Right. Well, uh, you know, it's one of those things where I was in a PhD program over in Belgium. I was uh, I would fly back there once a year, and i was doing a uh, I was doing research in uh, it's kind of a it's kind of hard to explain. Really, it's it was uh, postmodern hermeneutics and film. So I was going to integrate theology and film and. I was not as interested in film as a product like we go see a, a film. I was more interested in how, how is the filmmaking process done. And montage was a word that kind of stuck out to me because you have scattered um, snippets of film that are brought together into a cohesive whole. And I thought, that's exactly what I want to do. You know, montage is reflected by those who are older and those who are younger, those who have lighter skin, darker skin, those who are able-bodied, those who are disabled. We've got a, a pastiche, if you will, of so many different kinds of people that are brought together. But ultimately, that is one film that hopefully praises the Lord. It's it's not just a bunch of distinct and different people. We all come together underneath his authority, not mine, his authority. So when I when I thought about a montage, I thought that's really what I want to see in this church. And then the nice thing was, as I looked up Montage Bible Church, it didn't exist. And so I thought, that's it. There you go. Yeah, just get that name taken care of right now. Yeah.
0: Well, tell me about a little bit of your congregation. Obviously, as I looked at your website, it is a uh, it seems to be a multi-generational, multicultural situation. Talk to me about Right.
1: That. So, you know, my feeling is that the easiest definition for cross-cultural ministry is it's the cross for all cultures, right? Like, So rather than renting to people of a different... Different ethnic background at two o'clock. Let's bring him in with us. Let's celebrate together. I've got a, I've got a gentleman, uh, Sam Viaro, who is uh, my music man, and he is, he's got a shepherd's heart. But man, he just has such a diversity of style, and he's able to. Um, he's able to integrate older and younger people and people from different styles. And it's an amazing thing because music has a way of capturing people. And, and, and so we don't have the same kind of music every single week. It's, it's different because that's, you know, that's the Philippians two way, right? Where if, if I'm not getting ministered to, I'm getting, I'm going to be able to make sure that you get ministered to. So if you like a particular style one week, Maybe I'll get that same—maybe I'll get the style that I like the following week. Mm-hmm. So it's reflected in our music. It's reflected in those who were in leadership. Really, it's the cross for all cultures.
0: Well, that is that is critical, isn't it? I, I had a conversation with a pastor not too long ago talking about music because music is a—as <laughs> you know, is a huge issue in churches as far as— hymns versus praise music versus contemporary versus whatever and and uh you know the thing that uh, I was reading in the scripture uh where the word was talking about um the psalmist was saying that he was singing songs of deliverance from the days of his youth right and i was recognizing that that no matter the music genre when someone's saying, you know, I really miss the old Bill Gaither music, they're basically talking about the music that touched their soul in the in the days of their deliverance, That's from right. the days of their youth, and there there is a value to that, and there is a value to the new believer whose current contemporary music is touching their heart at this time, and so uh, it, it is important for pastors to recognize those different genres aren't just different genres, but they are actual songs that relate
1: to people's deliverance. That's right. It takes people back. Like when when I first planted the church, I went right back to the early 90s vineyard movement. Now, I don't embrace their theology, but some of that music was just unbelievable, and it stirred me. And so four years ago, as I'm thinking about this church, guess what? I'm going right back to that music where God touched me for the first time, really, between my junior and senior year in high school. So I know exactly what you're talking about. I think some of the problem that we face today is that some churches are so specific with one particular style, whether it's Hillsong or what have you, that there's no accommodation. There's no understanding that, hey, look, there's other people with other redemption songs that touch them that we need to remember too. It's not about me. Church is not about us. It's about the Lord. And if I'm going to watch out for you, I know that God will watch out for me.
0: Yeah. So... Uh, Just recently, uh, this program is airing for the first time here in mid-December, and uh, just recently you were able to dedicate uh, a new location, right, for your congregation. Tell me about that.
1: Right. So uh, we were blessed by Pastor Bill Hill over at um, Lighthouse Foursquare, and we were there In the Kenmore area on Saturday nights for three and a half years, and you know we were so thankful that they allowed us to save up enough money to get another location. So, you know, when I tell the congregation that if you want to eat top sirloin, you have to eat top ramen, and top ramen means you're going to have services on Saturday. They're not convenient. It's not. It's hard to build a kids ministry off of that. So we ate top ramen for three and a half years, but that's allowed us to get some top sirloin. So we found a location. Actually, the very week of our third anniversary in March of this year, and it just kind of fell into our lap. So we looked at this facility. We made an offer on the facility. We bought that facility, and it all happened within a month. It was unbelievable. Wow. It was, it was a God thing. So we're, you know, we're right off of Bothell Everett Highway on 180th Street Southeast. Um, I tell people we we chose ten o'clock as a service time because there's a top pot donut for breakfast and then you can go back down to Ezel's chicken for lunch. It's like perfect. Like how do you beat that? <laughs> you can't. No, you can't. You get scripture in the middle, which is the best. That's but, right. I mean, you get you outline. Anyway, those are the bookends that kind of hold it all together. Mm. So yeah, it's a it's a great location and the church has stepped up. And, I mean, no church that I've ever been a part of can demolish things like my church. My church knows how to demolish things, (laughs) but they also know how to build things up. Uh And so we had people donating so much time and expertise to making it a a, a warm and welcoming place that ultimately the people at Montage, it's the greatest congregation I know of. They have such heart for people, and we're going to make a difference in that community. That community right there, 20% of the population around Mays Pond and Bothell, they were not born in this country. That means we don't have to go to the world. The world has already come to us. Wow. So we're going to make a difference as we do what? We're going to reach people from all cultures, helping them to learn about God, live for God, and love like God. Well,
0: you've been listening to Pastor James Hansen. He's the lead pastor at Montage Bible Church. If you want to get to know more about uh, montage bible you can always go to montage.church. It's not montage.org, it's montage.church. And you can look at the website there. If you want to email Pastor James, it is Pastor James at Montage, M-O-N-T-A-G-E dot church. James, thank you for joining me today on Heart of the City. What a blessing.
1: Thank God, you so much. God bless you. Thank you.
0: been listening to this 820 AM The Word special Heart of the City. For more information on how your pastor or your ministry can be featured on 820 AM The Word, call Chuck Olmsted, 206-269-6216 or go to thewordseattle.com.